following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 7. Um, let me ask you a really serious question, which happens in life. It's happened to me, and I've watched it happen to other people. Think for a second. Let's say you are at the gym, and you are working out, and you are in between sets. And what I mean is you're at a place where you're resting. Or maybe you're on the treadmill or um, the elliptical or the stair climber, or maybe you're just there, right? You don't know what you're there for. And somebody comes up to you and taps you on the shoulder. And you take your headphone out and you look at them and you say, what's up? And they look at you and they say, hey, what about her over there? What do you think about her? Or what about him over there? What do you think about him? What do you say? I came up with three. Okay, you got three answers. The first thing that you could say is, you could say, that Carl, man, he's crazy, right? You, you're nuts, brother. Like, always, always the kidder, man. And you just put your headphones back in your ear and you go back to doing whatever it is you're doing. Or maybe you validate it, right? Maybe you look at him and you say, yeah, man, no, not bad. Or maybe you just don't say anything at all. Maybe you just, all right. Like, awkward, <laughs> and put your headphone back in your ear, right? And go in and doing whatever you do. It happens all the time. What do we do? What do we say? What is my attitude in that situation? How am I supposed to respond? It's a good question. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, your character is the one thing that matters as a Christian. He says a lot of things matter, actually. But character is key because it ties into the centrality of your heart. Now, if you were somebody who lived in the time where Ephesians was written, they would say that your heart is the center of a person's existence. And medicine's not as advanced back then as it is now. And so what happens is people thought that the heart was the center, and everything flows from that heart, okay? That's what encompassed a man or a woman. And they would look at an individual and they would say, your heart is where your character is. And depending on who you were and what you were all about, that's kind of where your character lies. We know Ephesians is in Ephesus. The church of Ephesians is the, the, the church that meets in Ephesians, in Ephesus, the letter to the Ephesians, the people that are gathered there. We know very specifically that they are in the middle of a crisis, of a problem. And the problem is there's sin all over the town. I mean, they're just finding themselves in the center of it, and they're asking, how are we supposed to be like Christ? And it's a good question because we're asking the same question today. What does it mean to be like Christ? Well, 
first of all, a Christian, we have to define that because we know in our culture, in our society, we always have to define who we are and what we do. A Christian is somebody who has confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord, and by that they are sinners, and his blood covers a multitude of sins, okay? That's why we gather as a church, because we have confessed that we are sinners and believe that Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross covers our sin, and it enters in, we enter into a relationship with God because of him. And we have fellowship with one another. That's the commonality between us. We have relationship with one another because of the commonality of the gift of salvation that we have received. And so Paul says, if you go there, he says, therefore, and we know in the past couple weeks we've talked about Paul wants us to be imitators of God, his son Jesus. And what that means is that we should offer our lives as a sacrifice for him who already sacrificed for us. So I give freely my life and I lay it down in an attitude of discipline because Christ has given me himself through death and resurrection on the cross. And when I sacrifice his way and I sacrifice myself, my way for his way, it is a sweet smell in the nostrils of God. That's what the Bible says. And then we realize that we're not supposed to associate with people who are sexually impure verbally, physically. And he says, therefore, there you go in verse 7, therefore, you are not to become partakers with them. That's a culmination from verses 1 through 6, the sexually impure. You Christians should be men and women of character. For, verse 8, at one time, he's going to talk about your old self, and then he's going to talk about your new self. We already studied that, but watch. He says, at one time, you were an old condition that no longer exists in darkness. Your old character is categorized by four things. One, the fact that whether I knew it or not, I was enslaved by the enemy or the devil. He had a hold on me and my life, and he took me and he used me for his purposes, whether I was conscious of it or not. The world is a system in which Satan operates where he uses unregenerate or unsaved individuals to accomplish his purpose until God comes again and he wipes out evil forever. And so not only am I um, operating for him, I was also controlled because I chose to not honor the Lord and do what he wants me to do. I did what I wanted to do. I was self-centered, not God-centered. And in turn, I welcomed the wrath of God into my life. I said, because I want my way, I welcome the wrath of God. I deserved it, and a lot of churches have removed it from their doctrine, but it's still true. If we reject Jesus Christ and the gospel, we're destined for hell. And the worst part of hell is separation from God for eternity. That's your old condition. Because remember, the letter is written to Christians. But look at the new condition. But now you are Light in the world. Now notice that word are. He says you have light. This is your Christian self and you walk as children of light. You walk as Christians. You walk a certain way that's going to be different than the rest of the world. What does it mean to walk as children of the light? What does that look like in my life, in your life, in our everyday life? Paul explains, let's ask God to come and do a work here. Lord Jesus Your word is true. We believe it. As men and women who have confessed our sin and asked you to come in and save us because you've given 
yourself as a sacrifice for our sins. You have set us apart, sanctified us. You are doing a great work in our life, purifying us. When we confess and believe in you, Jesus, you come and make us new. But the flesh hangs. It entangles and it entails and it's working even now to trip us up. And so as we ponder what it is like to walk as children of the light, soften our hearts, help us to understand in ways that we do not, and also help us implement accordingly these truths of Scripture so that we would experience joy and peace, so that we would have the opportunity to share with those who are lost and build up our brothers and sisters who are already found. Speak to your people, including myself here this morning, in ways that I can't. Do a mighty work in and through your church as we pause, reflect, and yield to your word. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. First thing, to walk as a child in the light, you are called to produce good fruit. You are called to produce good fruit. What does that mean? Watch this. In verse 9, he says, The fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. To walk as a child in the light, you are to produce good fruit. Different from the fruit of the Spirit, okay? Your instant, your mind goes up and he says, he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. No, no, no. He's talking about fruit in regards to three things. Look at them. First of all, goodness. Goodness is talking about your relationship with God. Let me ask you a question. How is your relationship with God? Well, I don't know, Jordan. I've never thought about that. What is my, what is, what's the components of my relationship with God? You read the Word? You study the Word. There's a difference between reading and studying God's Word. Reading it is passive. Studying is making sure that you're seeing what the text says in context to the other verses. We don't want to just read passively the Word. We want to study it. How's your prayer life? When's the last time you spoke with God? Prayer is our communication that we have with Him. It's goodness that we get to speak with God. When we gather for church, how's that going? Are we spotty in attendance or are we faithful when the family meets? Those are components of what we would see goodness is. And that's fruit. Now Jesus says in Matthew chapter 3 verse 10, he says, anybody that produces bad fruit is thrown into the pit of hell. He says, essentially, if you're not producing good fruit, you're producing bad fruit. So if we don't have a good relationship with God, we're obviously in the other camp. Relationship with God, number one. Number two, he says, right or righteousness, my relationship that I have with the fellow man, my fellow man, my fellow woman, okay? So we would say it's not just relationship with God that produces good fruit, it's also relationship with my brothers and sisters. Well, what does that mean? Romans chapter 12, verse 2, therefore, because of the fact that you are children of God, walking in the light, offer yourselves as living sacrifices, this is your spiritual act of worship. So the next checklist that I have is, how am I doing in communicating to others the gospel of Jesus Christ, those who are lost, and how am I in building up my brothers and sisters in the Lord? This past week, what's it look like for you in the relationship with your church family? 
Have you talked to people who are gathered here and seen how they're doing and walked with them and talked with them and fellowshiped with them? Your relationship to your fellow man. Now watch, the third thing is true or what we would call integrity. And this is the relationship that you have with yourself. So it's, it's threefold. The fruit is threefold. It's my relationship with God, my relationship with man, my relationship with myself. Pride is when you think more highly or lowly of yourself. How's that going? Right? If I think too highly of myself, I'm being prideful. If I think too lowly of myself, I'm being prideful. A lot of times what happens with the church is Christians think too lowly of themselves. Oh, woe is me. I'm just, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you have more to offer than that, right? So we see the integrity is I am the same way consistently seeing what God says about me and accessing it as truth. Okay? For the fruit of light is found in that which is good, right, and true. Goodness, righteousness, and integrity. Relationship with God, relationship with man, relationship with self. How are you doing in producing good fruit? How is my walk with God? How is my walk with my neighbor? How is my walk with myself? Now, he says, the outcome of that, all right, is that you will be able to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. If you would, circle the word discern in your Bible, because discern essentially in that context means you are able now to put to test the truths of Scripture. I thought for the longest time, I just read the Bible, and when I read the Bible, I go ahead and, and I'm able to discern what the truth is. But when I put into practice the things that are in the Bible, I have the opportunity to see if they're true or not. So everything that Pastor Jordan says on Sunday, or anybody that comes and talks here at this church, you get the ability to prove, to see if it is good or if it is not good, right? If it is true based on what Scripture says, so we are able to put to test what pleases the Lord, or I can see the results clearly of my walk. And so I can see the results when I am pursuing my relationship with God in my Bible study. I can, I can see if my walk with God is producing results when I spend time in prayer with him, when I'm telling people about my faith, when I'm talking to my brother and sister in the Lord, and when I'm speaking to myself about what I say, who I am. You produce good fruit. You're able to discern, put to test what pleases the Lord. You produce good fruit as a Christian, too, which is from verse 11. Now, this is where it gets tricky. When you put to test what the Lord says, you are able to expose evil. 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Now, let's walk this through unfruitful is already mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4, in a little bit in 5. So if you're wondering what he's talking about, lust and things like that, he's already brought those things to light. So if you want to, you can go back in Scripture and you can see all the list of the things that are unfruitful works, okay? The word works there is not fruit. So essentially what he's saying is anything that is done for self is a work. Ephesians chapter I lost it in my brain. It's okay. For it's by grace you are saved. 289. For it's by grace that you are saved through faith, not of works. Same word. Not of works. It's not good fruit. It's selfish labor. Because I'm trying to outweigh my goods and my bads. 
If I do more goods, then obviously I'm good. If I do more bads, then obviously I'm bad. It's not what defines you. That's a bad relationship with yourself. So take no part in unfruitful, things already mentioned, works of darkness, but instead expose them. Now, here's where Pastor Jordan was convicted. And so I take my conviction and I lay it at your feet so we all can be convicted. What he's saying there in the exposure, essentially to ignore, to encourage, or to keep quiet as a Christian in regards to evil things is promotion of evil. Ouch. Let that sink in. To ignore, to encourage, or to keep quiet is promotion of evil. Let's go back to the gym. If I ignore it, I promoted it. If I encouraged it, I promoted it. If I kept quiet about it, I promoted it. So what is my attitude to be? Let me walk you through that illustration. A guy comes up to you, a girl comes up to you in the gym, taps you on the shoulder. What about them? If your response is to be quiet, you have essentially allowed it. If you encourage it, that's a no-brainer, right? Everybody knows that one. They say, yeah, you're in trouble. Here's how I handle it. First of all, I ask, is Carl a Christian or is he not a Christian? If I know that Carl's not a Christian, I ask him, have you been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ? Wouldn't that be a funny way to start a conversation? Can you imagine that? Let me ask you a question. Jesus has come in. He's done a great work in my life. Man, wouldn't that be crazy? You're sitting at the gym. Don't touch me on the shoulder. That's all I see all of you say. Don't touch Pastor Jordan on the shoulder when he's at the gym. It ends up bad. But I, I look at him. I put both headphones down. And I say, let me ask you a question. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he said, his one and only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Do you believe that? No. Okay. It's my opportunity to evangelize. Now we look at that and we go, that's silly. Is it really silly? Because I can clarify why that comment is so offhand when I said, Jesus has saved me from sin and this is promotion of sin and I want nothing to do with it. That individual has an opportunity right there in that moment to either accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior or walk away. And I did Jesus a service by doing those things. We're not pointed and poised enough to clarify our faith when people push us into evil things. And we should be equipped as Christians for the first thing, which is the advancement of the gospel. Let me tell you what God has saved me from and what he can save you from. We are scared to have that conversation because we are scared to see Jesus work in our lives. If we were open to have that conversation with non-Christians, people would identify us as who we are. And what happens is once we're identified, we're labeled, and now you're held accountable. And for the most part, Christians don't want to be held accountable, do we? That person will know that I'm a believer, and then they will hold me to a higher standard. What's wrong with that? So, taps me on the shoulder, share the gospel. I can do it in two seconds. You say, Jordan, I don't know the gospel. There's a bookmark that's sitting right in front of you in the pew. Take it home. It's yours, my free gift to you. Okay, Carl's a Christian, though. I know him. Now, to ignore, to encourage, or to keep quiet is promotion of evil. Uh Uh-oh, now we got an issue. Carl, 
Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? Oh, Jordan, you know that I believe that with all my heart. Then why are you asking me to stare at a woman who is not my wife? Have we ever done that? Again, it sets us up for accountability. Because what is that person going to do? He's going to look back at me and he's going to say, well, last week... We were at a restaurant, and I'm telling you what, remember when you tapped me on my shoulder and you told me to go look at that girl? Oh, see, you're a sinner too. Okay? We have to look at that individual and say, you're right. You're absolutely correct. We admit our sin and our shortcoming to help our brother or sister out. And so I would say, absolutely, let's work on holding each other accountable in these things. Now, seriously, are you going to work out or are you just going to sit there and stare at women? Okay. Now, what if he refuses? Which is a good question. What if Carl is a brother and he looks at me and he asks me to do something that I know contradicts the commands of Scripture? What am I to do if he leaves? Well, Matthew 18 comes in. At first, I have to identify that my brother is a sin. It is a sin, Jesus says, to lust after a woman. It is a sin. And so we identify it. And I say, hey, you know, that's the truth. Maybe I go find him later on. I say, hey, Carl, you know what? Um, I just want to ask you something. You struggling with something, man? You going through some things? I want your best. We talk to him about it. And what if he continues to say no? And that's when we pray for wisdom. And Matthew 18 is a different sermon for another day. But the key here is, in Ephesians chapter 11, you expose what is not profitable for you as a believer. That is so key for us to identify what is evil when we are standing around in a group of individuals and all of a sudden they start talking about the girl that lives down the road, right? What do we say? Do we carry into that conversation because we want to be accepted by that individual? Or do we expose it for what it is? It's not good for us to sit around here and talk about Karen. We need to stop this. We're called as Christians to a higher standard. Let people hold you to a higher standard. Admit your sins and your shortcomings and your faults and ask them for help. What does the book of Proverbs say? The beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. How do I get wisdom? I get conviction. How do I get conviction? I ask people to hold me accountable. Not only through God and his word, but also my brothers and sisters in Christ. You expose them. 4.12, it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Now, we have to talk about something as a church because this is huge. Majority of us have social media accounts. And I think a vast number of individuals do not understand when they, promote, that they, when they post something that is wrong, you promote it. A lot of times what I'll see is I'll, I'll go online and I'll see all the posts and I look at them and I say, we don't understand as a community that in the publication of evil, we are promoting it. We have to be very careful what we're asking our brothers and sisters to watch or to see or the community outside of us who is lost what we're asking them to see. Hey, man, did you see this video? Send to encourage is to promote. That's conviction. I have to be very careful what I am allowing my brother or sister to see, to shield them. He says, You need to be careful even to speak the things that they do in secret. Be careful, church, Paul would say, 
to not get caught up in sinful acts. Because what happens is we start on that road, and before we know it, we're lost. And we wondered how we got there. And I know how we got there. I asked a guy the other day who struggles very much with pornography. He says, there are times where it'll be two hours, and I don't know how I got there. I know exactly how you got there. It started with something small, and it manifested itself into something large. That's what sin does, right? It starts small harmless, and Satan, the deceiver of all of the world, comes in and he manifests it, and all of a sudden now we're stuck, and we find ourselves lost. But if we were to bring that darkness to light, what happens? Oh, when darkness is exposed to light, it goes away, right? Now I can see clearly the things that were dim. That verse is interesting because it comes from, the Jewish people didn't have mirrors, I don't know if you know that or not. Can you imagine a life without mirrors? Man, that would be great, wouldn't it? We'd spend less time in the bathroom and more time being believers. Anyway. So they didn't have mirrors. So when they looked in the mirror, it was a dim image, distorted image of who they really truly were. But then you'd wipe it away, and all of a sudden you could see a little bit more clear than you saw before. You expose it for what it is. How am I to walk as children of the light? I produce good fruit, good relationship with God, good relationship with my fellow man, good relationship with myself. I expose evil, got that. Three, watch this, 13. And anything is exposed by light. We talked about this. It becomes visible. But what he's saying there, and you could underline exposed by light. He says, as Christians, you are called and commanded to use scripture properly. Okay? We all, we all fall short of this, right? Every one of us. I've heard scripture thrown around, and I've done it before. We've got to be careful with it. To walk as a child of the light, you have to use scripture in a proper context. So watch this. He says, when anything is exposed by the light, that is the word of God or the Bible, it becomes visible. Okay. Now, this came at a great time because it illustrated it perfectly. My daughter, Gianna, uh, got a present from Grandma. Imagine that. Grandma gave her a gift. <laughs> Happens about every time she shows up both grandmas um, and, uh, and grandpas. And um, those of you who are grandma, grandpas are like, ain't nothing wrong with that. All right, whatever. We are the ones that have to correct your mistake when you leave, but it's all good. <laughs> and grandma got her a book. And this is a cool book. It comes with a flashlight. So she says, Dad, will you put batteries in my flashlight? I said, absolutely, put batteries in her flashlight. She turns the page, and all of a sudden she shines a light underneath the page, and things that you didn't see are now there on the pages. It's amazing. She's like, Dad, check this out. She turns the page. She goes like this. She goes, here, look at that page. I looked at it. I said, okay. What's, turns it, puts the flashlight underneath of it, and all of a sudden there's bats floating around. She's like, <laughs> I'm like, it's pretty cool, Gianna. She says, yeah, check this out. She goes to the next page. She says, what do you think's under there? I said, I have no idea. It's a frog. I think it's a frog. She turns the page, puts the flashlight underneath it. Boom, it's exposed. It's a frog, right? I'm a genius. I'm like, no, you're not a genius. Just using a flashlight properly. And then I thought about it, right? Epiphany on the floor with my daughter. You're using the flashlight properly. She said, Dad, if you use it on this side, it doesn't work. If you use it on this side, it works. I said, man, Gianna, that's the Bible. She's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but okay, whatever, right? If you use the word of God properly, if we shine it on places in which aren't exposed, nothing happens. But once we shine it 
on ways that do expose things for what they truly are, we see it. How is my relationship with God? Ask God to expose it. When I open up the word of God to spend time with him in the morning, I'm asking God, would you expose or shine a light properly on our relationship, helping me to see where we're off and leading me to the path where we'll be good. And my fellow man, my work, my, my job, my school, my kids, my relationship with my wife, God, would you illuminate in ways in which we are off so that we would be Back to normal. Expose that darkness so we can see light. My relationship with myself. So many of us, even as Christians, beat ourselves up day after day after day. God exposed the lies in which God tells, or in Satan tells me in here and replace them with truth that you say in your word. We do that? Are those your prayers? Anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything, now watch this, verse 14, that becomes visible is light. Therefore, he says, and here's the call to the non-Christian. The non-Christian, he says, arise and awake, O sleeper. Those who are not looking at this properly, arise from the dead and Christ will shine upon you. That's a call for those who are lost to come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. But wait a second, he's writing to the church. He's writing to Christians. Why would he put that in there? I'm a Christian. He, this is a letter to the church. It's not to the non-believer. Well, hold on a second. How does that apply to the Christian's life? Well, he's using two passages of Scripture here that are so important. First passage is from Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. And what it says is, Arise and let your light shine for all to see. So let me ask you a question this morning, as we contemplate God's word. Do people know that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Not do you believe in God. People in Indiana come up to me all the time, and they say, well, of course, Jordan, I believe in God. And then they tell me where they go to church as if I care. And I say that very lovingly because I'm more concerned about your salvation, not your church. If you love Jesus Christ, you'll be at the church. You'll fellowship with believers. That is a result of the salvation message in which you received. The desire is there now to go to church. I said, even the demons believe in God. They know he exists. So you walk up to a demon and you say, excuse me, demon, we're taking a poll here and we're kind of trying to figure this out. Do you, do you know God? Yep, know God. Yep, know who he is. Do you know his son, Jesus Christ? Yep, know his son, Jesus Christ. Actually, I was there at the death of his son, Jesus Christ. We were present there. Oh, so you, you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Yep, absolutely. We saw it with our own two demon eyes. So you believe that Jesus rose? Yeah. But why do you still populate hell? Because their belief is here. Our belief is here. My faith is in the fact that Jesus' blood covers my sin, and therefore I am saved. And we would ask that demon, we would say, have you ever believed that Jesus' blood covers sin? That's where we differ. So I ask, how is your relationship with God? Is it such a way that other people know 
that you love Jesus Christ and that he saved you from your sin? Do you love Jesus so much that if I were to go up to your best friend or your spouse or your kids and I would ask them, what's most important to mom or dad or your friend? Would they say Jesus? Jesus is most important. We sat around the kitchen table the other day. We were talking to our kids. And uh, my, friend, uh, my daughter, Kareen, has a friend at school. She doesn't know Jesus. And uh, her name's Tammy, and that's not real. I made it up so, to protect the names of the innocent. And I said, Kareen, she had Bible class. She goes to Bible class, which is cool. Public school allows them to do that. She said, Tammy didn't get to go to Bible class. I said, why not? She said, because Tammy's not a believer. She doesn't know Jesus. Her dad said she couldn't go. And I said, what, so what do you say to her when you come back from Bible class? Why did you go there? Jonna kicks in. She says, you tell her to accept Jesus into her heart. My little evangelist, five years old, right there. Daddy's proud, right, you know? I said, Jonna, what's that look like? What do you do? She says, she says Daddy, it's simple. You pray, you ask Jesus. You say, I'm a sinner, and I need you to come into my life, and he comes and lives in your heart, and it's awesome. It's good. I said, Kareen, did you ask Tammy that? No. Why not? Is she scared to lose Tammy as a friend? What about us? Do people know that you're a Christian? What about your relationship with your fellow man? How's that? Do people know that you care about them, that you're compassionate about them, that you seek their best, that they should know Jesus, but also that they should continue to grow in a relationship with him? What about your relationship with yourself? Do you know in here that God loves you and he cares for you and he wants your best? That's huge, right? Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Arise and let your light shine for all to see. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. You rise up to everlasting life. And what he's saying there is you claim your rightful inheritance for what's yours. It is available for the taking. Do you access it? Do you access the internal inheritance in which God gives you? It's tough, right? It's tough. How do I walk as children of the light? I produce good fruit. I expose evil and I use the scriptures properly. I like to end on a story and I don't have one this week. But I'm sure that there's some conviction there, right? There's some area here that you look at and you go, man, I'm, I'm there. That's me all day, right? So let's pray and ask God to do good work in our lives. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your word. And God, I ask that, first of all, if there's anybody here who does not know you personally, and what I mean by that, if there's anyone here who has never said, God, I don't have a relationship with your son. I've never told you that I'm a sinner. And I've never asked Jesus to come into my life. That they would make the decision to come out of darkness into light. And if that's you and you're here this morning and you find yourself in that state, the Bible says that Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world. He came into the world to save it, a sinner like me and you. He came to save you.
And if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and you ask him to come inside of your heart, he will. He says, I will send another. And that's when we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if that's you, you made the decision to follow Jesus Christ, come find me. I'd love to tell you more about that free gift. You pray for the first time. You say, God, I know I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Come and do a great work in my life. He calls us his children. And uh, as children, that's where we're at today. We're all gathered here. The majority of us have made the decision to trust Christ. And so we evaluate ourselves in this moment of silence. And we ask God to evaluate our heart and walk through where we are at and expose light into dark places. That's what we're called to do. And so as you are gathered here, ask God to evaluate if there's really good fruit that is going on in your life. Lord, expose areas where we're off. And give me the opportunity to change those things. It's never too late to do what God wills. Help me to spend time in your word and time speaking with you. Help me to spend time with my fellow man and realize relationships are more important than any material possession that is on this earth at the current moment. And God, help me to examine myself. Where I'm at, am I a man or a woman of integrity? Am I known for being a follower of Jesus Christ? What is it costing me? God, we ask that you would help us to expose evil, to call it what it is. Well, it's going to cost us some friendships and relationships. We know it's for our own good and help us to discipline ourselves to do so accordingly. Maybe there's some areas in your life that you need just to evaluate that are taking place right now in your everyday existence that need exposed. And God, help us to use your word properly to awake to the things in which you call us towards, to not be children, but to be mature in the faith. Help us to use our gifts properly, which you have given to us. Help us to walk worthy in the gospel in which we have received. Lord, examine our hearts today and lead us into the path of light. We ask that we would continue to not only Know the gospel, but continue to walk in it until you come, as you said in your word, and call us home. We long for that day, God, when you will come and call us home. Speak right now, God, to the people who are gathered here in ways that I can't. And help us to not just be hearers of what we have listened to today, but to actually take some of this and do what it says. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your great name that we pray and all God's people said. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.